Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This edition begins at Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Wilmington, Delaware. Jenny Dent Brandt visited with me to share details of not only her cancer struggle, but some principles of good health and God's design that she learned in the midst of it. Plus, Peter Demas is a successful businessman and oversees a number of restaurants. He is someone who has a passion to serve the Lord, but it was not always that way during his adult life. You'll learn more about God's hand in his life ahead. Also from 95 Network, which specializes in providing direction and encouragement for small to medium-sized churches, Dale Sellers underscores the importance of affirming pastors, especially in light of what they have experienced over the past six months. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, it's important that Christians are praying for our nation, and Kathy Branzell, who heads the National Day of Prayer Task Force, offers some important topics about which we can be praying. Finally, Marjorie Dannenfelser of the Susan B. Anthony List gives an appraisal about the strength of the pro-life movement at this particular time and offers some critical analysis about the importance of the abortion issue. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Jenny Dent Brandt last published a book about a decade ago, a book that offered a unique look at how Christ impacted her life, as well as the life of her father, former White House advisor to President Nixon, the late Harry Dent. Jenny stopped by Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Fall 2020 CPE show to discuss her recent struggles with cancer and how she learned about God's design for health and his desire for his creation to walk in principles that contribute to good health. She has authored the book, Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer. Here now is Jenny Dent Brandt. The premise behind the book is simply this. You know, God can heal in a moment, and he does sometimes. There are some people I know that have cancer, and the next minute the tumor is gone, and it's just miraculous. And God can do that if he chooses to. But the interesting premise behind the book is that God created the body with all these self-healing mechanisms. There are thousands of them, and there are eight in the book that help you to kind of cooperate with how God has created our body to heal. For example, if you don't properly hydrate, then every cell and every system in your body is not going to function as God has designed it to function. When you sleep deeply at night, those miracles that God has created the body to perform increase exponentially because melatonin goes off and it's a major immune builder and it's also a major cancer fighter. So whether it's cancer or any disease or COVID-19, you do best to work with your building your own immune system in addition to the CDC regulations. So as you talk about, and people, of course, COVID-19 very much on people's minds. So of course, it's not just a COVID-19 thing that we should be, that could contribute it to us being concerned with our immune system. That should be something that we're constantly trying to do. So when you talk about building up your immune system, what, what are some things that people can keep in mind? If they, prop, if they properly hydrate, okay, water is the basis for every chemical reaction that happens in every system and every cell in the body. So hydration ups your immune system. If you exercise on a regular basis, your T and B killer cells, more of them are produced. So exercise does like 15 things for your body related to health. 
but it's key to the immune system. So when COVID strikes and everyone's kind of in this pandemic caveman mode where they're hibernating in their house and they're a couch potato eating junk food to comfort themselves, <laughs> all these things are not helping your immune system. It's causing your immune system to go out. So if you can exercise, get deep sleep, hydrate, and eat the foods that build your immune system, not the ones that suppress it. Let me tell you this, your gut lining, if a COVID germ gets in through your mouth, and it could easily, as we get back out and get around other people, your own gut lining is prepared to take care of it if you're eating the right foods and you've got a healthy gut lining. So what's your take on, say, zinc and vitamin C, vitamin D? All of it. I take all of it. All of the above. I took it for the cancer journey. I'm taking it for the COVID journey now to be preventative. And and you mentioned also early on in the interview that you offer some principles that people can apply to if they have had cancer and they are in remission, they're on maybe on the backside of the journey, there are some right. things they can do to because prevent you, it from coming you back. don't want it to come back. I mean, the book is geared to the person who wants to prevent cancer to begin with. They've already had enough in their family. Someone in the journey, it's the same eight steps. And the people that don't want it coming back, it's the same eight steps. But it's also the same eight steps to prevent Alzheimer's disease, which my father had because I've studied a lot with specialists in that field, COVID, autoimmune disorders, many chronic diseases. These are the same eight steps. It's not really just for cancer. Jenny Dedbrand joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio CPE 2020. And as we conclude, you mentioned earlier, really the amount of stress that you took upon yourself when your your father was dying, as you mentioned, of Alzheimer's, your your mother was dying of cancer, and you were really taking a lot of stress upon yourself. I wanted you, as we close, to talk about the, the and of course, all of these are spiritual principles because God has designed us in a very special way. He has created us, and there are certain ways that God has designed our bodies to function. Well, he wants us to be healthy spiritually emotionally, mentally, stress and anxiety can can really wreak havoc on someone's physical nature, correct? Yes, and you must learn to calm that emotional brain, whether it's through deep breathing exercises or any type of exercise, using music, whatever it takes. And the reason is when the emotional brain goes off, then the blood sugar goes up and the cortisol levels go up. And when that's long-term, it wreaks havoc on the body. And so that's why it's important to keep the stress levels down and not be the rat that runs on the wheel yep. continually. Yep. You know, I had to learn how to do deep breathing to a, an app on my cell phone that helps balance your immune system and your, your, your stress level system. And that's important to keep it balanced and not running on empty, you know. Sure. Jenny Dent Brandt here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website, Jenny, G-I-N-N-Y, Brandt, B-R-A-N-T, dot com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Peter Demas, president and CEO of Demas Brands and Demas Family Kitchen. He shared about the work of God in his life, including his becoming a Christian during his adult life. He commented on a book he's written called Afraid to Trust, One Man's Journey into the Love of God. From that conversation, this is Peter Demas now. I grew up going to church. Uh, my, my parents were very good, making certain that I would go. And you know, we went every every Sunday Sunday, and you know, went to the, you know, they, they made me go to the youth camp. I went to Christian schools, but but truthfully, I, I hated I hated Christians. Um, I didn't like wow. it. 
um, I went kicking and screaming. Um, the the kids at the Christian schools were, were 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 mean, and as a result, I associated a lot of that experience with Christians. And so, as I kind of grew up and started learning more, I started being a lot more aggressive toward Christians. And in fact, one of the things I even read the the transcripts of the Scopes Monkey trial, so that I can figure out how Clarence Darrow. Um, uh, cross-examined William Jennings Bryant, so I can use those questions to to aggravate people, um, and then you know, God having a an incredible sense of humor uh, had me meet my wife, who has uh, I, I think seven Southern Baptist preachers in her family, um, <laughs> and so she, um, you know, so I, I you know I kind of toned down a little bit, but I just kind of ended up settling on the fact that I said, you know, God's just an absentee landlord, you know, he's. He's not really present. He's just kind of there. You know, I, I, I thought it took too much faith to, to be a to be an atheist. So I said, you know, he's just he's just kinda of there and we'll just all kinda of do our thing. And so probably about eight years ago, I was about forty uh forty one years old, they um uh a man named Angus Buchan, who there's a movie Faith Like Potatoes, uh he came to our church and through a series of, of, of events, um, my wife and I, in two different fights, my wife finally got me into in church to hear him uh, to hear him speak. And uh, he did an altar call, and I went up. And also, for most people, that's kind of like the, the, the end of the story and everything is great. For me, I felt like I was conned. Um, and so for the next three days, I, I slept for four hours just wrestling with God. And uh, finally, finally, I was at a, at a hotel room in Memphis. I had a board meeting in Memphis, and I was at a hotel room in Memphis. And um, uh, yeah, finally, after just being worn down and broke down, I was taking a shower, and I said what I what I said was my first real prayer that I've ever said, which was, "God, you win. I'm turning everything over to mm. you." And instantly, instantly, like I can even tell you the trajectory of which everything kind of lifts it up and out of me, like all the fears, all the insecurities, things that I didn't know I had um, just came up and left. And I fell in the, the tub crying. And you know, after that, it became a matter of, OK, now, how do I turn everything over to him? And that's right. a struggle that I'm still working on every day. And, you know, every day I try to make it, you know, I, I try to try to try to do so and honor him in such a way. Fear, in my opinion, is, is is probably one of Satan's greatest tools. It manifests in different ways. Um, so, you know, so for me, one of the things that happened was is I was afraid that you know my wife might leave me. So I would, became very jealous. That would be an example um, of of something that happened at work. I was afraid that I was going to be you know, not be able to carry on the the family name, and so I was very controlling, and I would lose my temper and get angry and and and. Everything, everything I did had to have a huge element of control, and you know, and I had to, yeah, I had to be part of every piece. And if it didn't go my way. You better watch out. I was going to run you over. Um, and I always kind of saw myself as a fighter, and I didn't even see myself as being afraid. And through that, and, and in the book, you know, I, I referenced when I when I met Angus Buck and I actually got to meet him. And one of the things he asked was. If you're willing to die for your country, why are you afraid to speak out for God? And I, I, it, it, it struck me because nobody ever said I was afraid before. And it took a while for me to kind of realize, you know, that that, that was the issue, and that was part of that three-day journey that I had in in the in Memphis. And when the fear left me, you don't realize that you have it, that you're carrying it around with you until it's gone. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh my goodness. And so 
as I've kind of analyzed and looked at this fear and looked at this control that, that you think you have that you really don't have, you know, when you start looking at it and realize that the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is trust. And so when I was, when I was afraid, um, it was I wasn't trusting God to take care of the circumstances I was in. And so even now, you know, it still comes. I mean, David says in Psalms, you know, when I was afraid, I put my trust mm-hmm. in you. And, and, and but, but so what I do now is I will write it out um, to say I'm afraid of this to happen. And then I scratch out the words I'm afraid of, and I put I don't trust God to take care of. Hmm. And, and, and I say it out loud. Peter Demas here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website afraidtotrust.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection, it's the executive director of 95 Network, Dale Sellers, who shared material relative to the book he's written, Stalled, Hope and Help for Pastors Who Thought They'd Be There by Now. In our conversation, he discussed challenges that pastors and churches are facing. Here now from that conversation is Dale Sellers. In the subtitle of the book, Hope and Help for Pastors Who Thought They Would Be There by Now, the problem that I had was I couldn't find where there was. It, was, ah. it always seemed unattainable to me. It always felt because because all my uh, not all my friends, but many of my friends were pastoring churches that were successful. I had a few pastor uh, friends who pastored churches that became huge. And I looked and I knew them and I and I compared myself to other pastors and I'm like, I should be able to do that. So there must be something wrong with me. Uh, and so um, the whole the whole idea, the concept of the book actually happened five years ago when I was on a conversation with my friend Tony Morgan, and we were just talking back back and forth, and I said, Tony, I'm going to tell you something today I've never told anyone. I said, I feel like a failure because I thought I'd be there by now. And uh, and he said, and we talked that through, and he said, Dale, that's, that's incredible. You, if you write that as an article, I'll publish it. Uh, he has a company called The Unstuck Group, mm-hmm. and, and he said, I'll publish it on our website uh, and, and on our media, and let's just see what happens. And so in May of 2014, I wrote an article called, I Thought I'd Be There By Now, Confessions of a Small Church Pastor. He published it, and I heard from pastors all over America going, that's exactly how I feel. And so the problem that I had then, it wasn't just that I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to lead, I didn't know how to implement things. I didn't have a clear understanding of where there was. I thought there was out in the distance, and I, I didn't realize that there was just living every day with Jesus. Tell me how it is that you saw 95 Network come together. After that 12-year period and the church split, we actually had to close our church. So I took five years off and went back into construction because I wasn't healthy. And uh, my dad was a builder. I, I got my builder's license when I was 18. And so for five years, I just went and worked in the building and let the Lord heal me emotionally and spiritually. And then, and then a few, <laughs> but sadly enough, a few years ago, I had quadruple bypass surgery when I was 53 years old. I'm 58 now. Uh, and, and I asked my doctor, I said, I don't understand what, what happened to me. He said, you have a widow maker. And I said, well, I don't understand. Well, how did this happen? He said, it's because of the stress that you've been under with your job. And I'm saying, oh, wow. are, you, are you saying the ministry almost killed me? He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so I was unhealthy. And what do we deal with with 95 Network all the time is we, we – and we try to communicate this. If you're an, an unhealthy leader, you're going to create an unhealthy organization. And so I had to take some time off, let the Lord heal me. Get my get my uh, my head back on my shoulders, if you will. And again, I want to make sure I really clarify this. I, it wasn't because I had a moral failure. I, I just I had a leadership failure. I didn't know what I was doing. 
And so uh, as I got began to get healthy again, God birthed in me five years ago in uh, um, February of 2014. Uh, I want you to launch the leadership ministry now. And, 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 and the backstory to that is in the year 2000, I had a chance to go to work for John Maxwell and work with his organization, but I turned it down because the, the timing didn't seem right. So I kind of thought doing leadership stuff, that ship had sailed. And so when the Lord spoke to me five years ago, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. He goes, I know I have you right where I want you. Mm. And so it's been an evolution of just uh, – I, I was trained in a process called StratUp, which I help churches with uh, – individual churches with, with strategic and operational planning. And then I, I connected with some other pastors, and, and then we connected – a 95 Network was formed by a pastor in Peoria, Illinois, named Jim Powell. And a few years ago, and I was on the board, and then Jim felt like he needed to step away from that, and so he turned it over to me and some other pastors. And uh, two and a half years ago, I began to lead this organization, uh, and it's just an amazing thing to see what God is doing. We are connecting with denominations that I didn't know existed, we're <laughs> connecting with pastors I didn't know uh, were out there. We're like, it's just been the most incredible journey to be on. So how does this book stalled? help leaders to kind of get a better sense of where there is, spiritually speaking? What I did was I broke the book into three sections. The, the opening section is called, uh, Why Can't I Get There? And I deal with the, the reasons that I was not healthy. The middle section uh, is basically called, What Will I Find There? So, so again, if you're, not, if you're not whole, if you're not prepared, if you're not trained, you still have to work through some issues. And then the last section is called The Fulfillment of Living There. And then the Lord just kind of downloaded in me. The reason he wants to get our churches healthy, the reason he wants to get our pastors healthy, yes, is to have an impact today, but, but even more so to have an impact in the future, to get healthy where you are so you, can, so you can begin to raise up the next generation so they can take it higher and further and stronger and longer than you could take it because you're an equipper. Dale Sellers here on The Intersection. You can find out more by visiting the website 95, that's 95network.org. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. There you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the Intersection Podcast. You can find the podcast in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible from the Meeting House homepage. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community that is updated weekly. Also, there's The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And you'll find a link to video content, including recently added content from the Christian Product Expo Fall 2020 show in Delaware. That and more can be found through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Moving on now on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the president of the National Day of Prayer Task Force, Kathy Branzell, who shared some guidance regarding praying for America, built around seven centers of influence. She's the author of a number of books, including An Invitation to Prayer, Developing a Lifestyle of Intimacy with God. 
Here now from that conversation is Kathy Branzell. We have the National Day of Prayer, but if we only pray that one day, then America's going to be in a whole lot of trouble. That's the culmination and celebration of millions of prayers that have gone on the other 364 days. And and our prayers, as Ian Bounds said, our prayers move the hands that move the universe. And I would expand that quote to say, and then those hands that move the universe move our hearts. And, and so we need wisdom. We need to be fruitful. It is to our Father's glory that we bear much fruit. And the only way that I can um, act and be in, in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness uh, in perseverance in self-control, all those things is to be in prayer. Um, and so with that, in walking into this election and and getting through this pandemic, we um, in getting to a place where we truly are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That is going to take prayer, and then it's going to take us being the answer to those prayers as God moves our hearts um, and gives us wisdom. I wanted you to elaborate just a bit as we face this election. Of course, uh, this has has consumed so much of, of people's time and, and thinking and energy, and and perhaps it's important as we, we consider and as we talk about and think about the election that we're actually praying about it. I say quite Absolutely. often, when you vote, you need to make a, what, prayerful and an informed choice when you go into the voting booth, when you cast your ballot. So what do you see as maybe one of the key components or two that people can be mindful of as we face this election coming up? Well, um, just a few things. We have to remember that government isn't our God, and we pray for godly Uh, people in authority. We pray for godly government officials. We get to cast our vote. We get to speak our voice. And I think by entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, we just remember what an awesome gift it is, an awesome blessing and responsibility it it is to have that voice into our government and to be praying. Uh, We want to make sure that um, what, (laughs) what Jesus prayed for is for his people to be in unity, to be one as he and the Father are one, so that the world know that God sent him. And as his followers, if Jesus prayed for us to be united, then no political election should be able to divide us. Um, We have to remain in that love and in that unity, even if we disagree on certain points, including politics. Uh, That's between us and our Maker and the Word of God. And we want to go in and vote for people where we've heard them speaking God's values that we read um, in His Word and that we know in His character. We want to vote for people who obey God's Word. We want to vote for people who speak truth and speak truth and love that we hear in God's Word. And we want to vote for people who know that there are earthly and eternal consequences to the decisions that we made and what an incredible honor it is to be servants of the United States of America in government. And so VOTE, values, obedience, truth, Mm. 
and eternal um, consequences. And so those are the kind of people that we pray for and that God turns our heads to to vote for. There's no perfect man, no perfect woman. All have sinned and fallen short. I know I sure have. Um, but we need to be looking people for people who align with the Word of God, remembering that politics is not our Savior. Kathy Branzell here on The Intersection. The National Day of Prayer website is nationaldayofprayer.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's the president of the pro-life organization Susan B. Anthony List, Marjorie Dannenfelser. She shared about how she became involved in pro-life work and provided analysis of the growth of the pro-life movement. She discussed material relative to her book, Life is Winning, Inside the Fight for Unborn Children and Their Mothers. From that conversation, this is Marjorie Dannenfelser now. Writing a book is a contradiction in the speed that usually um, Susan B. Anthony List and I am moving in because a book is a, you know, a deliberative, long, meditative process in a lot of ways. But I would never have written it. The only reason to write it was to communicate the incredible hope that should come from um, talking about where we are right now. And, and I, I think people sense it. They have a visceral um, feeling for it, but it, but it is real. Life is Winning, the title, comes from uh, directly stealing from Vice President Pence. He spoke at a, our gala, and he says it all the time. He said it at the March for Life. Life is winning in America is kind of his mantra. And it's become mine as well. So we, we talk about uh, why that is, how that came about. And the story is very much like other successful human rights movements in our country's history. Um, so it's a point of great hope. And I believe, given how it's been embraced finally by our candidates who are front and center in the culture, that it will be the thing to lead us from the dark into the light in more than one way, but certainly in terms of saving millions of children who will come after. Marjorie, tell me just a bit about your own story. How is it that you really became a part of the pro-life movement? Well, I certainly did not see myself ever becoming a part of the pro-life movement. I was adamantly pro-choice. I was a Republican. I was pretty political, politically inclined. I was at Duke University. Um, I was the co-chair of College Republicans. I thought I was smarter than everybody on earth. <laughs> and that pretty much sets you up for failure if you ever find yourself in a spot like that, right? And so um, my, I, God allowed so many things to happen to um, humble me in my life. And one was a lot of, I tell this a little bit in the, in the book, but the combination of coming face to face with maybe having an abortion myself with the people that were around me at that time, really smart people um, changing what I was studying, then meeting to intern, being an intern in Washington and meeting a bunch of, really profoundly um, good and smart people. Um, And then just, you know, and then just a lot of God's grace that I'll never know where it came from ended up me, ended with me setting aside that really vapid and stupid, my body, my choice mantra, which was what I, that basically it wasn't any more sort of um, satisfying than that, what I, what I would argue Putting that aside and really thinking about what the choice is, what is it we're talking about. And so when I finally did convert, I thought it was done, never would be in the pro-life movement. I didn't think that was for me and eventually was, worked for a pro-life Democrat. Also, the idea of working for a Democrat was anathema to me. 
but for this, I had I did it. Um, and what became super clear to me, Bob, was that every other movement and every other lobby that takes took itself and takes itself seriously has a really strong political arm. So tobacco farmers, the unions, the NRA, teachers unions, they all know what it means to win and they reward their friends and they unelect the people who vote against them. But we really just didn't have that. And, and if all of those organizations, all those entities have, um, have that amount of muscle, why wouldn't we have it for the babies? So um, that was how SBA began in my living room with a group of women who agreed. Marjorie Denon Felser here on The Intersection. The website address is sba-list.org. We are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. There's also a link to The Intersection Podcast in the Media Center from the homepage. Plus, you can find it on iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's a link to video content as well. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for another edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.